Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grit, a podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. In this episode, I talk with Alexia Anastasio. She writes, she produces, she edits, she acts, and she's worked on a ton of filmmaking projects over the years. We talk about some of the films she's made, including the documentary Adventures in Plimptoons, and we even talk about Transcendental Meditation. Let's get into it. And here we are with Alexia Anastasio. Alexia, thanks for being on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. I'm I'm super excited to talk with you um, because you've worked on on a ton of filmmaking projects, and uh, many of them are relevant to my interests. But before we go too deep into that. Can you give us a little background about yourself and, and how you got started in filmmaking? Sure. Well, it started um, when I was probably about, I would say, 11. Um, my mom put me into acting classes because I was super shy. Like in kindergarten, the teacher had to ask my mom if I could talk. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and I... I liked acting classes so much that I'm like, oh, this is what I want to do for a living. Like, I want to play. And mm -hmm. so that's basically what I'm doing now. I'm playing. I get to play for a living. Um, so that act, that interest in acting went to theater, and then theater turned into film, and and film turned into art. And, and now I get to make art uh, for, um, for, for fun, for, for a living. That is fantastic. I mean, you you do so much. Uh, you know, you produce, you direct, you edit, you write, uh, you act, um, and I'm probably missing a few things in there. Um, <laughs> I play. <laughs> so uh, you said the acting got you into it. Was the next mm -hmm. step? I'm gonna direct, or I'm gonna. How, how did you continue that, and how did you jump around so much? Well. Um, it was my freshman year of um, college where I, I started directing, um, and I did that with my friends. So I co-directed a, a short film um, with my friend, um, and it was kind of experimental about my experience. It was called The Dryer Film, and it was, it was um, about my experience kind of being afraid of living in the dorms, like in a co-ed dorm like even though one side was girls and the other side was guys and like just the all of the new stuff that was going on hmm. when i was in the dorms i was scared of the showers yeah oh yeah <laughs> um but um yeah i survived and i started making these short films so i took a lot of i was a uh, the second semester in school i've um, a new major was created called New Media. So I ended up joining that major um, and creating digital short films. Um, so I took video art, um, digital video, and creating, you know, shooting and editing 
video and and a lot of film history classes. So I was instantly inspired by art films, European films, independent films, um, not not as much the mainstream. Even though I grew up with mainstream film, um, I was inspired by by the like avant garde. Mm-hmm. Um, of films in school and and that's where like my love for art and you know drawing painting photography also came into play because that was you had control when you were the director um and the writer and the creator so that's where like art turned into directing um interesting uh, that's a a good way to look at it yeah Mm -hmm. um so what was the uh after making uh, a short with your friends what was the the next big thing you made? Um, I, I, I did a number of um, documentary short films, basically. So one um, was called Otakon, about my experience going to the Japanese animation uh, convention in Baltimore. I, I did one on my great aunts um, in the, who lived in New York City, kind of following them to church. I did one called Feminist Picnic, where I, I asked questions of, of my friends um, just on the grass. I, I did one called Relationship Drama, um, which that one I actually ended up showing um, at the Cannes Short Film Corner. Um, and and a film festival in Woodstock, um, the Woodstock Museum Film Festival, um, and I it that one I, I really got into like hey like I saw all my friends getting into relationships and and I was kind of just the voyeur I was just watching everybody they're like I'm like hey you know like why am I left out of this equation like what's going on so I asked them questions and it gave me the courage to ask questions it's like oh well if I have a camera in my hand. I can ask them questions about their preferences, their choices, you know, what, what happens, you know, um, in their relationships. And, and so, yeah, it, it definitely gave me a voice. Like having a camera gave me a voice. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm making my second, uh, documentary short. And, um, the thing I get out of documentaries is you get to learn you, you're, you're yeah. interested in a subject and you go yeah. out and, and you, you hear it uh, from the people who are doing it. Uh, is that sort of what got you into it? Absolutely. Yeah, that excuse to ask questions. Like documentaries is how I learn. And my narrative films is how I cathartically release um, the experiences that I go through. So, mm. yeah. Very interesting. So how many documentaries have you made? Well, um, the main one that's been released is my feature uh, documentary, Adventures in Plimptoons, about Oscar-nominated animator Bill Plimpton. Um, I have a number in post-production right now, um, nice. one uh, called Ginger Girls, The Secret Lives of Redheads, and another one called Victory, um, about a hip-hop artist who lost his parents and two out of three of his siblings in a house fire when he was three years old in Fort Worth, Texas. So. Wow. Yeah, you have a you have a broad uh, interest base. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. The uh, the adventures in in Plimptoons, that that is exciting. Um, you know, I remember seeing uh, his animations back in the day, and uh, I was looking at some of the people in, in your film, and uh, Ralph Bakshi was one of them. 
Yeah. Oh my so gosh, fun. he's like my hero. Oh, he was fun. He was really up for uh, up for uh, you know up for fun. Basically, he is he is great. He's no holds barred, just like Bill. You know, they are not. I feel like they're not afraid of anything, and that's why they can express their you know inner inner life uh, through it. Animation. Bakshi is great. I mean, actually, he's part of the inspiration for uh, um, my short animated film, which I'm doing Rotoscope. Um, because, oh, cool. Yeah, I loved, you know, his Fire and Ice back in the day and uh, mm -hmm. his Lord of the Rings. But uh, so when you're making a, a documentary, and it's not just about the, the guy that lives next door, when you're, when you're dealing with people that are established artists like Ralph Bakshi and and Bill Plimpton, um, how do you go about uh, reaching out to these people? Well, um, it, it's interesting because with Bill, I had met him a, about a dozen times. I actually had been cleaning up my um, room in my parents' house uh, um, a number of years ago, towards the end of the, uh, actually the festival run. Um, and I saw that I had about a, like a dozen different cards or postcards from Bill at different, from different festivals and, and bumping into him at different, um, New York city film events. And it wasn't until I saw his masterclass, um, when he came back to the cinema arts center on Long Island, where I did many events for years, uh, did I have the idea of like, Oh, wait a minute. I know Bill and I'm looking for the first, my first documentary feature, maybe, you know, and I finally put two and two together. So, but it was really, I feel like it was like the universe that decided. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of me just kind of like waking up to that fact. I'm like, oh yeah, Bill, of course. And then I asked him, I helped him out at his table. And then um, the next, he asked me if I wanted a DVD for helping. And I said, no, actually I want you to draw me as a fairy. And since he was on Idiots and Angels kick, he drew me as an angel. And then I picked it up the next week in the city and we had dinner and that's when I proposed, hey, I'd like to do a documentary on you. And then he's like, okay, put together a proposal and we'll talk. And I did. And it was kind of like a win-win opportunity because he was getting a documentary made about him. And then again, his brand, uh, you know, rebranded, you know, out there again. Um, and I had my first uh, documentary film subject. Um, wow. And so it was a collab. It was a win-win collaboration on both parts. Yeah, I like how you you upsell the DVD to a drawing to dinner to <laughs> I'm gonna make a movie about you. <laughs> well, I always love to help people, and it's interesting because over the years I've helped so many people, and we will they they're like oh, um, but I, I sometimes I want to make sure that people know how much value that I can give because I love giving value. Mm -hmm. So even in this conversation, like I want to make sure the person listening gets value about because they're giving their time to listen to this. Um, so I want to make sure they come out of listening to this with some sort of value. And if they haven't, they should email me and ask my, <laughs> me their specific question. Right. Well, I, I appreciate that attitude because that's the same attitude I try and take with this podcast is, you know, provide some value to indie filmmakers out there. But back to the, uh, the Plimp Tunes. Um, mm -hmm. So you got him in your corner, you got Bill in your corner, and then did all the other doors open up for the interviews because he's friends with them? 
Um, a little bit, but not everybody. Um, I had to be pretty persistent um, with a number of the people, and I had to have the balls to actually call them. You know, it's 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 interesting where like people can give you leads, you mm. know, even like say sales leads, but if you don't call, you know, once, twice, seven, eight, ten times, <laughs> you know, like you're not actually getting them into the room. So I was kind of selling them being in the documentary. I didn't have a gazillion dollars, you know, but I was paying for the green screen space and and they had but they had to show up. Um, so a lot of these celebrities, their time is worth a lot of money. So because yeah, they had credibility with Bill and I was, you know, giving my time and energy, um, and money, um, it, it, it worked out. And a lot of them, I got a lot of them to say yes. Um, including, and some people like Martha Plimpton, she says, stay on me. I'm like, okay. And so I did, and I got her to come into the room. Um, Terry Gilliam was like the hardest, but mm. it just, the universe kind of opened up that way. Like I bumped into him like three different times, um, like once in New York, once in LA and, and the other one, I think I called, but I just kept on, I got the, his assistant's email and, um, which is his daughter. And I just, I emailed and I, and they actually ended up shooting that segment and then sending it in. Um, so if I wasn't persistent, a lot, a lot of these interviews wouldn't have happened. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, it opened it, 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 it opened up, the opportunities opened up, but I had to go step through the door right. and make it happen. So it was a lot of persistence um, to, to and it was hard because that was my first documentary film that I directed. You know, I had edited and I produced in the past, you know, features, and that gave me the confidence to direct. But this time, like, my name's on the line, my money was on the line, my credit cards were on the line, like, Mm. my reputation was on the line. So, like, I had to, and all the pressure as well, you know, because of all these celebrities, like, you have the pressure, like, this has to be good, putting this out there, so. Well, I, you know, I I find it interesting and and very smart that uh, you went the green screen route, um, and that way you don't have to worry about different rooms and lighting and, and windows and, and things like that. You can do just light a green screen and your subject and, and you're good to go. Is that how you did all of the, uh, the interviews? Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't realize it'd be more expensive because like green screen studios are more money. Mm. Um, but, but I didn't, ha- you know, I didn't have a studio. Um, so, and that was my big idea is like, I want to put people in Bill's world. So, Mm. I I mean, I didn't know, I I didn't know I was stepping into a more expensive documentary, but it was worth it in the end. Um, because that was my vision. So, and that's what sold him on the process is like, okay, you're going to be putting people in, in his world. And I'm glad I did, even though it was freaking, it was painstaking. (laughs) I'm glad I did. Yeah. (laughs) Your persistence is key. I think a lot of people out there, indie filmmakers just getting started, they maybe call once, never hear back, and, and then their heart's broken and they think, oh, they don't, they don't want to be in my project. But the fact of the matter is many people, especially many successful people, won't respond to tenacity, right? Yeah. They, they want people to keep trying. It makes them know that you really want it. So how did you, how did you balance that where you're not uh, bothering them, but you know, um, well, you know, fear was, was probably stopping me from, from calling them too many times. Um, mm. cause I, I needed, 
you know, like I finally get up the courage to call them. And I had to make sure that that call was like good to be like, okay, to, to basically sell them on the idea of like, yeah, you should be in my documentary. Um, so I actually finally got up the courage to call Keith Carradine after I was booked on a com my first commercial acting gig, um, when they flew me from New York to LA and they put me up and in the hotel room the next morning, I got up the courage to call him. And mm. the same thing with like Ed Begley Jr. I, I was on a birthday trip in Laguna and I'm like, you know what? I feel good. You know, it's my birthday. I'm like, I'm going to call Ed Begley Jr. Um, yeah. and got him to say yes. And so like, I would, I would kind of, it's interesting. Like when I had that confidence, that's when the place I would make calls from. Um, I even called Lloyd Kaufman <laughs> right before that audition, uh, for that commercial. So I was in a good mood. And mm -hmm. when he said, yes, you know, um, I was like, yeah. And then I went into that edition with that energy. So I'm sure that helped me book the job mm -hmm. because I was coming, going in with a winning, you know, abundant manifesting energy. Right. And it sounds like the, uh, California air adds to that confidence. <laughs> well, you know, I do love California. I, I do love the weather. It, it definitely, um, definitely inspires me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a New York girl. That's where I'm originally from. So I got a lot of inspiration, um, because I grew up in New York and I was lucky to, to be in New York growing up, um, and having the opportunity. And that's where, you know, I mean, I met Bill is in, in New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even dealing, time. even dealing with Lloyd Kaufman, I mean, he is New York in a lot of ways. <laughs> so that's fantastic. He, he sure is. Yeah, I got to meet him at uh, Comic-Con uh, way back in 2008, and I just love the guy. I, I just, I, I bum-rushed him with a camera and a mic, and he was instantly in interview mode. It was, it was fantastic. I, You know, and I learned how to be in interview mode from, from helping and volunteering uh, at the Troma tables, actually. I think that year, 2008, I had a booth right across the way from him. Oh, wow. Um, and at Comic-Con? Yeah. Oh wow. Mm -hmm. I I've done com I did six or eight comic cons, um, and um, it was it was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. I love I I love the the spirit and the energy there. Um, I it did show a a documentary that I edited, um, Vampire the movie at Comic Con, hmm. and then I showed different clips of Adventures in Platoons at Bill's um, presentations at Comic Con. And I've also had a lot of events with Bill. We we booked the Chuck Jones Gallery. I uh, made that happen. Wow. And the Hustler Store, we just had him do a signing there. Um, I even showed Adventures in Platoons at the Reading Cinema in San Diego during Comic-Con. Um, so, yeah, San Diego's been great for my career and for building my fan base and, and meeting, meeting and making friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I saw that you are... are deeply involved with uh, transcendental meditation. And uh, that's fascinating to me, um, not only because of, uh, you know, uh, David Lynch and the David Lynch Foundation, but uh, I myself have been doing it about almost two years now. Um, how did you how did you come to find TM? And uh, maybe we can go and and from there and talk about how it's helped you in, along your filmmaking career. 
Sure. Well, you know, back in the day, I think it was 2009, there was this platform called MySpace. And um, I got an invitation to an event at Alice Tully Hall in, in Lincoln Center in New York um, to a um, basically a book launch where David Lynch was speaking and Donovan was performing. And it was free. So I went um, and I... I'm used to standing and waiting after, you know, the event and trying to get an autograph and meet the people that were on stage. And so I waited and I, I little did I know that I had friends that also, um, were there. And, uh, one of the board members, um, of the cinema arts center. So we ended up talking to people at the David Lynch foundation and we were whisked into the after party where I got to meet David Lynch and Donovan. Um, and we're like, Hey, we, we'd love to do some sort of thing with the David Lynch Foundation at the Cinema Arts Center. Um, and then I started going to events and I met um, another woman um, named Dina Farley, who was in high school at the time. And she was about to learn meditation. Um, and we ended up starting a project together called Beyond the Noise and uh, My Transcendental Meditation Journey, uh, where she learned meditation and it was her journey. Um, and we really wanted to get David Lynch in the project. So our goal was to get David Lynch in the project. So we did a benefit event where we raised $15,000 in one night, um, for the foundation where David Lynch spoke at the mm -hmm. cinema arts center on Long Island. Um, and I hadn't even learned how to meditate until after that event. Um, and so I, I learned how to meditate Finally, you know, mm -hmm. after doing a, like a year had gone by, like I'd helped the foundation and promoted the event and we had David Lynch in the movie. And then I'm like, well, we're doing this movie about TM. I should probably, I mean, eventually I was going to learn. So I finally, you know, I finally learned. And, and it was actually around that same time is the last day that I was my fourth day of, of training. That's when I had to fly to Los Angeles for my first uh, acting commercial gig. Mm. So it was around that same time. And I attribute my transcendental meditation practice to how I get things done, like how, why that film, Adventures in Platoons, got done. So that was it back in, I believe, 2009. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, since then, I even been a property manager of um, a 1930s estate that the TM organization owned. Um, mm. So I've, I've, organized some TM like, um, little events, um, here and there and talks and panels here in Los Angeles as well. Um, That's great. I've, I've, I've brought it on to my friends and said like, Hey, maybe you should try this. And they have, and it's been wonders for their life. And I, I, yeah, continue to tell people, especially who are, you know, like, it's just an amazing gift to give to yourself. Um, it's probably the best gift that I've ever given to myself is my, the TM mm -hmm. technique. Um, uh, because I get to use it every day, twice a day. Right. And, and that's the time for me, you know? So the, there, it's interesting because we give our time to so many different people. Um, yet when, when it comes to ourselves, like we're like, Oh no, I, you know, I don't deserve rest or I don't, I don't deserve sleep. And like, actually you do like the, the only way you're going to, you know, do good for others is if you, you know, so quote unquote, like pay, pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, and that's with your time as well. So, 
when I meditate, I'm kind of paying myself because, and Dave Lynch talks about it. It's like, it's money in the bank. And it is, I get so many ideas come in through my meditation, right. you know, I'm like, and, and also mainly intuitions. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I know what to do now with the situation, or I know what to say now, or, you know, I don't feel as bad about this thing or that thing that happened, or, you know, yeah. it's all going to be okay. And, you know, all sorts of things come in through meditation. Um, but the main thing is like the rest that you get, um, that deep rest that you get that we are so needed, you know, that we, we don't give to ourselves. So, right. um, but yeah. yeah, I, I, um, I love, I, I love my practice and I, I want to continuing it, it more like with advanced techniques and, mm-hmm. um, and also going to, to Fairfield, Iowa. I want to go to Fairfield, Iowa. I want to do so many more things. Um, I'm not definitely not done, you know, right. but that's the great, the great thing. It's like, um, is like just starting is like the biggest gift you can give to yourself. I, d- I definitely, my afternoon meditation definitely helps me get an extra five hours, like an energy drink, mm-hmm. get an extra five hours of work in there that it's clear, you know, yeah. versus drained. Um, but yeah, if anybody wants to know about TM, like I would suggest them to go to either tm.org or tm-women.org mm-hmm. um, to find a teacher near you. Beyond the Noise, that was the documentary. Mm-hmm. And yeah, how did that go? I mean, it, it went it went well. Um, we got a couple of offers to put it out, um, but the producers declined. Um, um, but a short segment of it is actually on the David Lynch Foundation um, website, mm. so you can see that there. I've seen that. And a, yeah, yeah, a couple of trailers are uh, on YouTube. Um, but the the Dana Farley, she actually went on to work as a production assistant on um, Twin Peaks the last season. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, I'm really excited for her because I was her mentor. You know, my partner and I were her mentors. And and so that's really why I did that project. It wasn't like a money thing. It was, um, it was a mentor thing. So. Hmm. And just continuing on with the the universe providing, did that uh, experience and, and that film lead you on to bigger and better things? I mean, all, all of these experiences led me to bigger and better things because I, one, had more confidence mm-hmm. um, because of what I could do. Like just the fact that I was able to raise $15,000 in one night for the Dave Lynch Foundation, I was just like, wow, if I can do that, then what else can I do? You right. know, even in one night, you know, I was just like, wow. So yeah, definitely opened me up to my own confidence and to my own um, creativity. And, and so, yeah, so my next step is I actually, I want to open up my own center um, in, in Palm, in Palm Springs where I can do events, um, all the time and help other, especially film, female filmmakers and, mm-hmm. um, in, in the future. It, it sounds like a lot of your, your skills were self-taught just by doing it. Yeah. I, I was very lucky to have my mother as my, um, just like, uh, a, a, just a positive role model growing up. She, um, started a, a real estate company brokerage um, on Long Island. And so she was her own boss. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? I don't want to answer to anybody. I want to be my own boss. And uh, so I started my own production company. I started my own art, music, and film festival. If I wanted to, you know, like if I had a goal, I, I didn't want anybody 
be able to say no, like, no, you can't do that. So, you know, with my goals, a lot of them are around that. I'm just like, you know what? I want to work when I want to work. And I, I don't care if I have to work more, you know, mm-hmm. to make it happen. I want it to be my way. And so, so yeah. So yeah, that, that's a true that's what... indie filmmaker in my book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let, let's talk about documentaries in general. Um, now that you've got a few under your belt, have you noticed uh, that you're, you're finding a style as far as the editing or the flow? Or does each project, uh, you know, take on its own uh, energy? Um, I think each project is different. Um, I've, I've definitely now worked with other editors, too. And I, I've, um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of, it, it's great to work with a team because they see things that you don't see or you don't remember. And um, so I, it's, yeah, each project kind of takes on its own thing, but yeah, it's just like painting, you know, like you're always, it's always going to be your stamp, you know, like mm-hmm. nobody can take the same subject and do the same thing. It, it, it's never going to be the same, especially in documentary film. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. So even going into my next one, like, I just literally started it this weekend. I didn't even know. Um, uh, it's actually on the finance industry um, and, you know, financial education and my own story, um, picking up that as a um, as another business to help fund my my dreams and my films. So wow. that is going to be interesting. The activism of of finance education in the in the world. Yeah, I mean, from cartoons to finances it's it's amazing the amount of topics you're interested in yeah uh, and and yeah. not only that well, you, you're not selfish about it you want to make films and share that information with people absolutely absolutely and that's why i teach i love teaching i get emotional fulfillment uh about on teaching and coaching um so yeah i'll take client i literally I t- i'll take crowdfunding clients where i'll consult them on their campaigns and and help them win um mm-hmm. So, yeah, I want to see more, especially film, female filmmakers get out there um, because it just there's not as many role models. But now finally we have more. We have like Wonder Woman, you know, mm-hmm. being directed by a female, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, it's finally our time. You know, I've been making in the film industry for 18 years and it's finally our time to shine. So I'm excited for all the changes that are happening um, and the spotlight that um is, is happening in the film industry, um, being a female, you know, you're not for me, I even look younger than I am. And so I wasn't taken seriously as, um, but little did they know, you know, the type of woman that my mother raised me to be. Um, and, and that I don't, I don't take a no for an answer. I'm going to do it anyway. So that's what I've been doing. Um, and I, and it's so great that it's gotten so much cheaper to create content and that there's so many more outlets that, uh, you don't need a middle person anymore to get your, your work, um, out there. So you can just, you can make a movie it could even be a feature documentary and you can put it on YouTube or you can even pay to have it put on all the platforms, you know, Hulu, uh, Amazon, and Amazon Prime, you know, all of the above. Um, it, it, we, there is no 
you know, middleman anymore, which is so amazing for the filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So amazing. Um, and I've, I've worked with the distributors and distributors are great because they get your, your movie out there more. Um, and they know a part where that you don't, but you know, you also know your movie best and you, it's your baby. So you have the most care. So I think it's important to educate, um, especially for filmmakers to educate themselves about marketing. Um, and I do that all the time. I'm always educating myself, taking online classes. It's my um, what I call my alternative grad school is like is taking online classes and reading nonfiction books on the topic of marketing hmm. because it's my power, basically. Right. You're taking your power back. Take it back. That's what I was <laughs> <laughs> Wow. You know, I'm 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 curious for the for the young girl out there today who who maybe was inspired by Wonder Woman. What what kind of advice could you give to that kid? just do it there's nothing stopping you anymore like people can borrow cameras people make i mean there there's movies that are made on iphones nowadays that are getting distribution mm-hmm. um, there's no excuses just no excuses do it do what you want to do so and and people can find out uh, and reach me through my website alexianestigio.com um, and find out more about um, those events and screenings my films but if you have or anybody listening has an idea and want, wants me to come and do a workshop or, or show, do a Q&A and screening, I'm available. So, yeah. And, and I'll be in production. I'll be production um, on Ginger Girls. And then also my next feature uh, narrative film, Fantastic Santa Monica, uh, in March uh, in Los Angeles. And so I'm very excited uh, about this year. Well, uh, Alexia, thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast so much insightful information about filmmaking and, and meditation and uh, the power of just doing it. Um, I, I hope you continue uh, to be successful uh, for all of your days. Thank you so much for having me and, and letting me share my story. And I just want to let you know everybody know that I'm available. You can contact me through my website, ask me any questions. It's alexiaanastasio.com. That's A-L-E-X-I-A-A-N-A-S-T-A-S-I-O.com. Thank you so much. Well, that's that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Indie Film Grit podcast. Feel free to go to our website and check out the show notes, IndieFilmGrit.com. Follow us on Twitter, at IndieFilmGrit, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Well, I should really wrap this up, but before I go, let me ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough indie Film Grid.